Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Just gone 10 o'clock here on BFM, and you are tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and Steve McDonald, and our special guest here from all the way from Texas, Ivory Root, who is a death doula, among other things. And we're talking particularly about grief, our relationship to death, and grief on a personal and also on a global scale. And how we evolve that as we shift into this new paradigm, how we remember our ways of being in community in the past and then bring all of that richness and learning and create something absolutely new, a new, more capable way of of living in community and dealing with grief in that process. And Ivory, your work, you were saying, has been heavily influenced by Martin Prechtel, Guatemalan Curandero. Do you want to just give us a little bit of detail, like what are, what are the sort of main premises, the main you know guidelines that he gives around his work and dealing with grief in community? Well, I think that what we can learn the most about, uh, especially that talk, I want to I want to point everybody there. I think you can find it on YouTube very simply. Yes. Um, there's I think in three parts that one talk that he gives, uh, "Grief as Praise," I believe is the title of it. Um, and I would encourage everyone to go there um, just to sort of supplement what we're talking about today. Mm. Um, it is it is. Um, life-changing it was for me I think it will be uh, for the your listeners as well great um, he talks about the fact that if we don't praise those that are gone how will they know that we've missed them uh, that's another line that really helps me connect with people who don't necessarily have access to you know these levels and new levels of consciousness yep. um, just to make it that simple and it does go back to Dia de los Muertos and you know that sort of you know um, uh, communing you know the permission but that's only once a year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the thinning of the veil, once a year. You know, it's not quite fair, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's all we can take just now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can handle much more than that. Um, but I think, you know, Practel wants you to go to a place of, of gratitude first. And he talks about honey in the heart. In the mm. very beginning of the first, uh, his introduction, uh, there is a prayer that he does. Um, uh, in his in his language, uh, don't recall what it is, um, but it's really powerful. It talks about um, how his culture and his teachings, you know, are all about crying out to the ancestors, and how you know he can't pass by a river without crying, you know, weeping into the water because uh, our tears feed, you know, the dead, you know, and that they 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 basically feed on our grief. So if we change our concept of grieving as a, as an offering. Yeah. If we change that into something that's not associated with shame, something that we don't have to go down that really dark, you know, um, sort of deep rabbit hole, you know, of either turning to drink or drug or whatever, whatever other escape, you know. 
Yeah, and in, in the scientific industrial era, um, information has been a source of power and the, the idea of like withholding your information uh, ha- has been key to the success you know, of, of people within that era. And so this idea of holding back your emotion and not revealing that, you know, because then you're giving away your power, I think has probably shaped our inability to, to, to do that, to grieve publicly. Well, in the Tempest yeah. poem, you know, when she talks about holding your own, yeah. you know, literally holding the hands of and then holding your own issues and then facing the wolves. I mean, she's just so many beautiful images there also that are very intense. Mm. But she always brings them back to a place of sweetness. She always brings them back to a place of healing. Yep. So she brings up these really dark, dark images for us to help us look at what we're doing, our ghosts um, and our demons. And then she says, here's how you faithfully move forward. Yeah. You know, but it takes a lot of courage. Very interesting. Everything I, we're talking about it, takes a lot of courage. Uh, it does take a lot of courage. And I think uh, um, gratitude is probably one of the most difficult things for people to express as they move, they shift beyond the scientific industrial because there's, there's a natural inbuilt human tendency to reject the previous era, right? Within the first six mm. set of six. Mm. Uh, and so, so it's natural for us to want to throw it out. Mm. I'm right. only going to be grateful for things I agree with. <laughs> I like. Yeah, and grief, grief and gratitude don't go together. We're angry when we lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah what is anger? Yeah. Not getting what you want. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's really that yeah. simple. Yeah. So if someone's taken from us. Cool. Um, so gratitude is accepting exactly what is, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Quite the opposite. It's interesting, isn't it? It's almost is the opposite of anger in a way, yes. or the expression of intense reactionary um, emotions to to something that you don't like, yeah. that you the, don't want. The Buddha calls it one of the three poisons. Mm. You know, in terms of what are the other poisons? Jealousy and hatred. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we we as uh, as our listeners know, we often refer to Bobby Kay. Um, who does a, a, a wonderful I Ching reading every week. And um, interesting today, for this week, uh, a little quote of his. He says, Bitterness, guilt, shame, and jealousy are burdens too heavy for this journey, meaning this evolution we're in now. Pack a very light bag and move on. Don't miss this train. It's the one called liberation. But that idea that some perhaps those emotions like jealousy, bitterness, and, and shame, and guilt that we're moving past the need for them in the same way at least that we've had. I'm not saying that we should deny them or, you know, how do, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's happening that we, as we, as we now, we have to actually unburden ourselves perhaps from the relationship to these parts of human experience and expression in a way to move forward? I don't know. What do you think? Um, to inoculate yourself from a, a disease, you know, you've got to, it's got to get to a fever pitch, you know, <sighs> in order for enough to emerge to want to cure it. So um, we're in a purification mm. phase, and so there's going to be a lot of a lot of toxins uh, that are going to come up, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Big I, swell of toxins that yeah. we're going to have to go and, and address. Yeah, I also uh, like to to see it as a process of enlightenment as well. And there's that old uh, sort of parable, you know, of the the guy who's uh, at night in his bedroom and there's a coiled snake in the in the corner, you know, and he's feeling all these emotions of fear and. Uh, terror, etc., around having a snake in his room, and all of a sudden there's a flash of lightning, which which enlightens the room, and he sees it's actually a piece of rope. Mm. And so that re- revelation, you know, the revealing of the truth, actually, it, it's it, you know, there's no need to suppress or you know pack away those fears because they're just not there anymore because you've seen the truth, and the and the truth is something quite different. So it's a there's a revealing that will take place in our own development, this evolutionary process that's underway, which will take us beyond. So it's a transcendence of the fear. Um, you know, I wouldn't have had that unless I had asked death not to take Daniel from me and from our son. 
Yeah. So without realizing in that very personal moment um, that it was neutral, it was a neutral yeah. force yeah, and yeah. keeping a balance. It was all about balance. Yeah. So I don't know how without having those personal experiences, us taking, having the courage to go into the nursing home <laughs> where, our gra- where, the, where our grandparents are living, you know, the hospital, despite the smell. Yeah. taking our children there you know uh despite the fact they don't want to go it's like yeah. we've got to go up to these things you know uh turn to the wolves sort yeah. of thing you yeah. know we've really got to on a personal co- level uh, absolutely you do and i think this is this is where the power of psychedelic therapy comes in you know and, and the work that was done in the u.s and, and in fact we're just about to start the same research here in australia at st vincent's hospital in melbourne with yes. psilocybin yeah. um, addressing people's fear of death by Wonderful. giving them a direct spiritual experience through the psilocybin and and once you've had that direct experience you know you, you can't argue with that i mean yeah. you, you can always reject somebody's talk or what you read in a book but your your heartfelt personal experience you yeah. know there's no argument there and yeah. ibogaine uh, helps with that too uh, absolutely it? it does yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a few more texts here on this topic and in acknowledging and accepting our natural mortality we make space in ourselves to be awake and grateful for each miracle moment we are without fear. Nice expression. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very good. And um, someone said retreating into a piece of music or song that triggers a moving forward is a healing. No music, no life. Absolutely true. All right. Yeah, I'll vote yep. for that. And uh, about culture, this is an interesting thing here. Thanks for this. Culture isn't natural. It was created largely by men for men. I think with the feminine energy returning and many fearing loss of masculine domination, it goes together with fear of male culture dying. Sad because the physical dying is never a loss of control, it's a transformation into a much more beautiful space. It's very true that the the scientific industrial era has been a masculine left brain oriented era yeah, that's interesting and, and so it is a masculine themed culture you know there's truth in, in what that person said mm. uh, and prior to that in the agricultural era that was a that was a feminine themed culture and now we're moving into another feminine themed culture so um, it is a you know it is really a process of moving beyond the masculine culture to an, to another feminine culture but one that's more whole more complete more complex than the previous ones we've experienced I'm going to upset some feminists right now I don't mean to do that uh, I think it's really important right now in we the, love upsetting uh, people on this show we'll, we'll play that little I, I disclaimer it, after that maybe I won't upset them but I just joined I asked them to join me in, in celebrating the masculine right now you know we've got this yeah. me too movement which is really important um, yeah. but at the same time I've just had this you know um this gut feeling all along that we, we can't stop celebrating the masculine we can't lose sight of that it's so important uh so i just wanted to add that to it that you know, we talk you. so much about going into you know divine feminine and reconnecting with that extremely powerful force but we cannot ignore the masculine and the power there too yeah yeah well there's lots in that <laughs> uh don't know where do we... we started to unpack martin prechtel's uh, three things and the first one was gratitude mm-hmm. what was the second one Oh. <laughs> we can come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like okay, so grief is praise, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, and yeah. then talking about the village and talking about the different mechanisms that they had yeah, um, there, yeah, yeah. and uh, talking about the way that he personally is constantly, you know, making offerings to the ancestors, you know, to feed them, you know, to keep that connection alive. Yes. And then we were talking about how that shouldn't just be a once a year. Mm. you know occasion that we've got to have more rituals more um you know i encourage people who've got two or three relatives you know in in urns you know up in the cupboard you know who say i don't know what to do with them you know it's like well bring them out 
set them on the table, maybe buy them flowers, light a candle, and put them back. You totally. know, one of them's talking to you, yeah, yeah. you know, then, then commune with it. You don't have to hide it. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a matter of becoming more comfortable with, with uh, talking out loud. Yeah, you know, making, from making it a part of everyday life. And you made me think about Tibetan Buddhism where they have that process of the, the food offerings for the hungry ghosts also, which is part of the same kind yes. of thing, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, very interesting. Yeah, so just trying to grab a bit of Martin Prechtel there, but I think you've articulated it very well. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. It's 10.24 here on Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and Steve McDonald and our special guest from Texas, Ivory Root, who is a death doula, among other things. Thanks for all of your texts. We can't get to all of them. Uh, a couple of quick ones here. Perhaps there is no death, merely a change of worlds. Oh, there's an idea. Yeah, I like that one. That's good. Yeah. Um, and let's have a bit of a chat about some of the big picture stuff and how it relates to what we're talking about here now. Yeah, well, I thought we'd take advantage of yeah. having a, a, a US citizen in the studio here and just talk about the death of the US empire, which uh, a lot of people in Australia have been consuming a lot of popcorn and, and, and watching that as it unfolds. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and as I was saying before with the analogy about the, you know, the, the child's toy made of blocks and you've got to pull it apart to, mm. to restructure it into something else. And, and it seems like, it, I think it's, a, it's an interesting perspective to take on Trump and what he's doing to, to think that he's the guy who's volunteered to come and do this dismembering to allow the change to unfold, you know, to allow something new to emerge out of the pieces. Did you just give him credit? <laughs> I'm not sure I did that, but... Uh, he volunteered. So, yeah, Tr- Trump is the angel of death, you know, uh, ushering in the death of the US empire and, uh, and making space for something new to... to there's a lot of people behind him who are more reborn. so the wings of that. Uh, yeah, well, look, without a doubt, without a um, doubt, absolutely. Um, but, you know, here we are watching what threatens to be another Middle Eastern war, you know, mm-hmm. about to ignite and... Um, and John Bolton, the Secretary of State, interesting character, you know, who's, who's a real hawk and has been pushing not only for that war, but also he wanted war with North Korea and probably other countries that, you know, that we don't know of also. But, um, and, you know, I wonder, I wonder what's driving him. I mean, he's John Bolton as the Secretary, U.S. Secretary of State. You know, what, what is it about him that's, that has him craving for war? You know, is, is it based on some trauma or grief from his personal life? You know, which is it's just uh, making him want to lash out or bring destruction or you know project that internal destruction onto the out, outer world. I don't know if you had any, any thoughts about that. I can't speak to uh, as a you know, I don't know much about the relationship between Bolton and Israel, but I know that that there is a very complicated relationship there um, that goes back you know many 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 years. Yes. Um, in terms of the way that we have. Um, people have been offended, you know, uh, personally offended, especially a lot of these leaders. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of um, of that built up, you know, people whose egos, you know, got just really damaged by, you know, uh, decisions made long ago. Yeah. And that they're still carrying that offense around, sort of like we were talking about voting based on previous generations. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're making a lot of these decisions based on things that they're trying to mm. avenge. Of course, and you've got like thousands of years of accumulated grief and trauma in the Middle East, of course, from all yes. of the things that have happened there, uh, you know, and all the perceived wrongdoings and the damage that has, that's been done to individuals and societies. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that and and, you know really this this transition that the world's going through at the moment this consciousness shift and uh we we often talk about the the shift from the scientific industrial into what you might call a postmodern or relativistic which is this humanistic 
network-centric way of being human, which is unfolding now and also uh, you know, expanding our capacity for compassion. And that itself will also be short-lived and very, very soon after that, uh, you know, I predict within the next uh, probably 20 to 25 years, we're going to see the big shift, which is the quantum leap. And, you know, this is the, the big shift everyone's talking about in New Age circles and has been for a long time, and that's been predicted by ancient societies. Mm-hmm. You know, a quantum leap into a multidimensional way of being human, which takes us into a new, a whole new era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, more than an era, it's a whole new, um, a whole new uh what was Gra- Gra- Graves had a word for it? You know, a whole new ch- new chapter in the in the kind of symphony of human history. It's interesting as you're speaking and, and starting with John Bolton, because uh, I'm thinking that uh, what we're seeing, of course, now from some of these um, powerful identities in the world have risen to the for wh- whatever reason they're in these positions of power as presidents or secretaries of state or whatever they, their roles might be. That what we're seeing is a projection of their own inner pain into the outside world. Yeah. And because of where they're coming from, from this earlier iteration of our, this this passing away phase of our evolution on this planet uh, in a time where it wasn't really appropriate to express your feelings and emotions in the last few hundred years, it was, especially for men, it wasn't appropriate to show your vulnerability or your, you know, or where you may be weak somehow. So instead of actually being able to deal with that inside oneself, many of these mostly men have projected this onto the outside world now. Yes, yeah. And we're seeing the results of that now. Yeah. And in some ways, it, it's kind of like a healing. It's like a bursting of a boil or, you know, or fever, as we were saying earlier. It's got to sort of come out that way, I guess, because they're Absolutely. not people who are able to deal with their own inner pain internally or with in community or with, a, with someone like yourself who can work with people like this. And as we approach this massive quantum leap, this, this huge consciousness shift there has to be a kind of karmic reckoning mm-hmm. so as individuals when we're going through the transformation you know we have to turn inwards and revisit all of our internal pathologies you know all of those little bits and pieces that have been stuck and unresolved mm-hmm. inside of us and heal all of those and you see this in the explosion of interest in healing you know which we, we're very aware of in this area in Bionichai mm-hmm. um, you know it becomes a big thing in everyone's life is you've got to heal yourself and and the whole of humanity the whole planet is also you know going through the same process so we need to we need to do a like a karmic accounting in order to transition through this big shift you know we need to actually take time and put energy into revisiting all of these things like the, the you know all of the middle eastern trauma and all that kind of stuff eventually it's all got to be accounted for so trump could not be um a better example of how a society is just focusing on one sickness um, and doing a karmic accounting of you know his life, right? Because he has yeah. no personal responsibility. Yeah. yeah, there is no personal responsibility at all. Um, he's not being held to that standard at all, no. except by all the people who are very ready um, to focus on you know more compassion and humanity. You know, he has got he's woken up so many people just by being exactly who he is. Absolutely, he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's a, that is the positive. You it know, is a positive, and and again, it's building this evolutionary tension. You know, it's 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 like a mirror, basically. You know, Trump's a, Trump's a mirror. He's like the Homer Simpson kind of you know standing up in front of everybody and say, hey, this is what you look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this this is who you are as as a country, and people are, are you know. Uh, reacting to that massively, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting from uh, someone we follow a little bit, Joe Martino from Collective Evolution, who wrote a thing just the other day. Uh, it's a long piece, but uh, it's the last piece really stuck out in terms of what you just said then. The elite's action, those in control, the elite's actions are only revealing their true nature more and more, which is why 
he feels if you want to view it like a game we're winning in other words you know we're seeing that the emperor has no clothes we're seeing behind the scenes mm-hmm. so that it, while the actions are still happening while things are out of control it would seem while world wars are on the verge of and and mm-hmm. societies are collapsing at the same time for the first time we're actually able to see a bit of behind that and we're able to exchange that and, and it'll get messed up in fake news and people mm-hmm. deny and, yeah. m- and manipulate the information however we are becoming more aware mm-hmm. of what's actually going on and what the what the the i guess the psychological drivers for for some of these people actually are on the planet what what service they are rendering going to gratitude for someone like trump is a bit of a leap but one can certainly have some sort of empathy for how these kind of people and particularly these kind how people some people from from that uh, from that paradigm simply can't find a way to feel themselves and to express their vulnerability and to show themselves in that way so they can only project out so yeah. to have some kind of empathy for that I know it's a difficult one no, 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 just I sort just, of I imagining that what's the saying you know with great power comes great responsibility yeah, so I think that precisely. these very proud men you know who mm, become yeah. um, leaders and have so much power um, they're they're trying to bring forth they're trying to honor something mm. they truly are uh, and it doesn't matter whether or not we'll ever know truly what mm. you know uh, and, and many people listening to this will not agree with this because they 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 see these people as responsible and they should be taken to account. They should oh, be called to account. That. And there's a truth to that too. So it's Absolutely. a difficult it comes It comes back to capacity though and, it, and understanding that as we grow as human beings, our capacities, our perceptions expand mm. and, and vice versa. If you if you go backwards through our development, those things narrow. Mm-hmm. And and the extreme example is looking at a young child, you know, and, and sort of trying to hold a a two-year-old responsible for uh, their financial situation or something like that. You know, that capacity is just not there. The perception's not there. The concepts aren't there. You know, it's, it's like a computer that hasn't got the software loaded. Yeah. Well, and if you're a listener to this show, then yeah. of course you're going to be, you know, just enraged that it all goes back to personal choice and people like Bolton and Trump, you know, we, we just are disgusted with their personal choices. I, I know, but you've got to appreciate that it's personal choice based on a limited perspective. Right. You know, a limited scope of understanding mm. and, right. and perception and feeling. Mm. Yeah. Um, and is the more that we can understand that, that people can understand that, okay, this is a capacity issue. You know, it's not necessarily that this is a bad person or this person's evil. It's that they just can't see, they can't mm. feel, they can't perceive what others can see. And, and I'm they, worried about the trauma, you know, that's going on mm. inside people's hearts in America. What are we going to do about that? So you talk yeah. about being prepared. Yeah. You know, and it's like people are really personally traumatized by what's happening. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. so because of how we grieve and we do go back into such an individualist, mm. you know, individual place, yeah. even when we're in town meetings and we're online and we're you know really passionate about change and advocacy yeah um we're going through personal traumas that i don't think that we're prepared to address just by going in and voting no that's, uh, that's that's exactly right and this is you know this is something that we need to think about and, and it's great to be talking about it on this show is how do we change ourselves and our society to to cope with this better i mean we there is a massive wave of grief that's approaching uh, for humanity as more people transition into this higher place of you know compa- of, of compassionate capacity and perception people are getting are waking up mm. more and more and they're seeing what's going on they see the the damage that's been done to people and to the planet and they're grieving for that already and we're in the early stages of this transition mm. so so the most people haven't even got there yet and and as this 
grows, the transition grows, the consciousness awakening grows, more and more grief is going to be expressed. And we need to cater for that as, as a global community. And of course, the, the biggest area of growth in this region is with young people. We've seen the whole Greta Thunberg phenomenon and the, the response to climate instability from our young people, from teenagers. We've had big school strikes here, as I'm sure you had in America as well a couple of months ago. Uh, Extinction Rebellion has also come out of this kind of same uh, same uh, feeling of, of desperation and grief about the whole planet. So I think what you're saying there is, is we now, now we're really seeing it as our young people are coming up. And there's it's a contestable space because many people are saying, really, really, they shouldn't be worried about these things. Their frontal lobe's not developed. They can't actually understand everything. No. And yet their passion, their, the yep. depth of their despair is, is so powerful that it really has to come out somewhere. So going back to, we were talking a little bit about this in the break about mm. all the school shootings, yes. you know, and the mass shootings in America. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that couldn't be more on point with regards to young people watching their, you know, their teachers and their, um, uh, you know, the, their peers being shot in cold blood. Um, that is something that has just woken up so many in such a sad and tragic way mm. um, so many of our youth who are now going to be voting you know in 2020 so yeah. there's you know a lot of people over the next you know 20 years 15 20 years are going to be so personally affected by that empathy because we, they are very empathic youth and so they're going to feel you know um, you know very much on a visceral level yes. what these shootings have done every time they go into a classroom you know I know I've had conversations with my son and his friends what what would I do and so many of them just very you know they're young they don't have the capacity like you said to think about it but they'd say well I'll just I would just play dead yeah you know they're having to think about things like this yeah it's crazy hey? uh, and combat basically they're yeah. thinking about what they would do in a combat situation yeah. unarmed and it's amazing too as you're speaking I'm thinking about I'm seeing those images of, from the 50s of American I think getting we're doing this getting out of the desks yep. uh, which was a completely duck and cover uh, uh, yeah duck and cover <laughs> a completely ridiculous thing to do in the face of nuclear disaster yes. so that's how far removed from reality they were but now reality is real it's real here for, for yeah. young people whether you you know whether you think the climate's going to do this or that or whether this or that but certainly the world's issues are globally impacting on our young in a way that's very real now mm -hmm. compared to back then when oh you know the nuclear bomb's going to get under your table and you'll be okay mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. you just just reminded me that when I went to war in 1993, I arrived in Somalia unarmed. <laughs> Did you? I got because I was sent over in advance on my own, and I flew like civil flights, civil air flights into uh, Zimbabwe, then Kenya, and then into Somalia yeah. on a UN flight. And someone in Canberra decided that I shouldn't take a weapon because I was travelling on civil flights. And they said, "Oh, you'll be right. You'll get one when you get there." You know. So you I arrived. Like a buck in, knife I, in your boot or I, anything? I, I, I had a knife. I had a belt. <laughs> you had a knife in your boot, did you? So I, so I arrived at. Uh, I, I landed on this UN flight at Mogadishu Airport, and was well. I was met by these two Australians who had been there before me, also sent unarmed. Mm. One of them was carrying an AK-47, which he borrowed from a Pakistani battalion, oh <laughs> seriously to protect themselves. They picked me up in a in a civilian Somali 20 seat, 20 seat like Toyota Coaster bus, which had a beautiful little line of bullet holes through the, the front windscreen, and a Somali driver. And the guy who met me, this this uh, warrant officer, he said, "Oh yeah, we uh, that, would, that happened on Christmas Day, and this was like the second of January. Mm -hmm. That happened on Christmas Day. We were just driving through the market, and some guy just jumped out of the crowd and sprayed the front of the bus. You know, luckily the driver did a really good job of dodging it all, and we kept going. And here I am, just about to drive through the city unarmed in this goddamn bus with bullet holes in the windscreen. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I kind of appreciate what it's like, uh, you know, being in a threatening environment unarmed. It's not not a very nice feeling. No." Yeah. 
doesn't mean that everybody should arm themselves, however. That's another, no, that's no, another story. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Well, and they're talking about, you know, kiddos, you know, in terms of trauma, you yeah. know, and people yeah. say, oh, well, the kids are just, you know, so resilient. And it, to me, it's like, well, they shouldn't have to be. Yeah. No, it's it. just, it's crazy. You it's know, great if they re- genuinely are resilient. That's, That's some, great. some will be, but most will not be resilient in that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another angle to come at this is the angle of self-care. So as individuals, as we go through this transformation and our attention is naturally turned inwards to, to start caring for ourselves and repairing and healing those things, you know, and all the traumas that we've connected over time. Uh, and you can think about that on a large scale. And I think America is a great example um, when you think about how America has s- so much focused on the rest of the world and projecting its power around the world, but neglected its healthcare system, right? And and so that that's like a, a large scale example of this big f- this whole phenomenon that we're yes. you know it's time to actually look inside and take care. And and America is now, of course, suffering. You know, having not having a proper healthcare system, and it's causing all sorts of issues. And, and I think it's probably you know, part of the the downfall. Our healthcare system is is big pharma, who's very well prepared and very happy about this big wave of grief. Of course, they would be. Uh, that's that's. Well, I was going to say when I was talking about the, the the sort of isolation and the grief and the that comes from isolation that most people in the world are still stuck in, or many people in the world are still stuck in. That the way to deal with that is, uh, for example pharmaceuticals, opioids, and you have this huge crisis in America of the opioid crisis that, we're, again, we're not far behind here. And to me, that's a symptom of the isolation that many people feel. And the only way that they can deal with it is not actually from sharing and caring and being in community and finding a way to be vulnerable, finding a place of safety that they can do that because they're not taught that, especially men, but actually to, well, I'm just going to take the drugs because... It makes me feel good. So you go, you bring hospice, you know, very yes. much into the focus there, right? right. So um, there's a lot of people who say you should give birth naturally. Um, there aren't a lot of people who say you should die naturally. Mm. And one of the, you know, main goals, the main goal of hospice is palliative medicine. We're mm. going to control symptoms. That's yeah. all we can do is manage symptoms. We're going to make them comfortable. We're going to make sure that mm. we are, you know, medicating, you know, um, not hastening death, but you know. Um, palliating symptoms and keeping them comfortable so uh, opioids of course are a huge part of that you know Um, morphine is used quite often and then other opioids Um, and we're sort of uh, people get frightened um, by that also the fact that we are quote-unquote pushing them under and then they don't talk again but really what we're doing is making them comfortable enough to give up the fight you know the disease process the body's dying but uh, it's, just and it's probably, as you're saying, a, a appropriate an appropriate tool at that time. But there's probably, as we, as Steve uh, talked about at the very beginning of the show, there are other substances now, natural substances, which which have been experimented yes. with now. The, some of the psycho, psychedelics, and these may offer a much better way to do that same job without the addictive and without the uh, the financial um, element that uh, so controlled by the pharmaceutical companies, which of course lobby the governments and so on and create the the platform for the policies that that hold the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cr- and Australia is, is a major, major producer of opium poppies, yes. actually. We, I just think, you know, you're talking about the addiction. You know, so I think there's people who are palliating, yeah. you know, this grief themselves. Yeah, they're not dying yet. They're not terminally ill. Uh, something in them is. Something in them is, is very much dying. Yes. And so they get addicted to that. There's, there's something there, you know, in that particular uh, substance. There is, yeah. Um, to look deeper at. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. A um, couple of other texts were nearly out of time. It's amazing that the day has gone by quickly. It usually does anyway, but a couple of things. Someone has written, perhaps in a couple of decades, there might be a law that forces people to take an induced coma 
to reprogram the mind. Personal choice will be removed from people by tyrant governments. Then the, the person wrote after, ha ha. Yeah, not a very good picture. And uh, from Melody thinks the Melody opposing factions building in the US, which is true as the election approaches, could cause even more grief. Even such uh, a possibly a civil more war might arise. We've talked about this on the show before. We have to, and, and there is uh, there's definitely a, a massive potential there when the elections happen in November 2020, based on all of the questions around the last election result and the mm. manipulation of social media. You know, there's a huge, huge risk that whoever wins that election, a large number of the general public in the U.S. won't accept the result. Yeah, that's uh, right. And, and that has the potential to be a you know an absolute uh, tinderbox. Yeah. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. We are nearly finished here with future sense. A couple of quick things. Uh, if you're interested in the 5G debate going on very full on at the moment, there is a big public meeting on this coming Saturday, June the 29th from 2 till 5 at St John's School Hall in Mullumbimby. Um, pretty obvious that you'll be able to check that out. Doors open at 1.45. And the other thing too, uh, the very well-known American journalist Daj Jamail, who was coming this week to the Shire for a, a talk on Wednesday night, he has had to cancel. He had difficulties with, uh, even though he's an American citizen, with getting out of the US of A, probably because of his name. Interestingly, and I was going to have him on my show on Tuesday morning. That's not going to happen. But he's not here for Wednesday. So if you have tickets or were getting tickets, then that's not oh, that's not happening. Uh, yeah. Did you say he's having trouble getting out of the USA? Yeah. That's Apparently he went to, and he didn't have a visa for Australia, didn't know he had, thought that he'd be able to get one very easily, and then for some reason, because he's a journalist who spent three years in Iraq during the war, yeah. and now he's a he's a journalist on climate change in particular, very good journalist, uh, but with a name that, you know, Daja Mail. Go figure. American immigration. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, so let's, um, let's wind up just having a, a quick discussion about if... If we're reinventing grief and we're transitioning to grieving as community, you know, what's that look like? It looks like being gentle with ourselves first and understanding that grief is as personal and unique as you are and as personal and unique as your relationship um, to the deceased was, is. And I think that you need to remember that your love and your grief is equal to your bond that you had with that person, mm. whatever that may have been. So if you had a, a very difficult relationship with the person, you're going to have more difficult and more complicated grief. Mm. That's okay. You know, yeah, that's so great. you can you can welcome in, you know, the parts of you that are sharp, the sharp edges of your grief mm. and be gentle with yourself when they come up. You don't have to grieve someone perfectly and reinvent, you know, be a revisionist on the history just because someone's dead. And then we come together at the funeral and we don't talk about those things. We, we, and that, you don't have to cover that up in your personal work is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and so Martin, going back again to this great teacher, he talks about in um, one of his, in that talk that we've referenced, to have uh, an ugly cry. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I encourage my, my, my clients, my patients to do that. You know, the, the cry, kind of cry where you don't look good when you get done. Mm. Uh, and I think people will say to me sometimes, oh, I, had, I had one of those, I've had three of those this week. And then there's other people who need the tears to be loosened, you know, very much. Um, and so I try to tell people that, you know, that every tear is, is packed with love. So, you know, let them out, you know, um, in that sense. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Sleep, mm. hydrate, ugly cry. 
<laughs> encourage your friends. <laughs> you know, in that order. It could yeah, be in any order. Any order. Um, <laughs> but you know, you've got to sleep, and if you're not sleeping while you're grieving, get some help with that. Yeah. You know, um, and you've got to hydrate. Otherwise, you're just going to be even more raw. You know. Um, and you've got to have those ugly cries. Yeah, I guess from a community point of view, you know, feeling okay about doing all this and, and being witnessed at the same time. Yeah. Yes, reaching yeah. out to other people. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing is being yeah. witnessed. Yeah. Uh, I think people, it's a stage, isn't it? People go through being closed to put really simply for time when you're finished. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then at some point, for whatever reason, start to open up to themselves to feel that. But then and to be witnessed a, in that is the next stage, to actually be seen in that vulnerability. You're not a burden uh, to people by and calling them and asking them to come over and help you or bring you a mm. meal or what yeah. have you. Yeah. You're actually giving other people an opportunity to be kind. Yeah. So reach out, yeah. you know, don't yeah. be alone. Yeah. Uh, someone's just written, great show yet again, and a warm, friendly Aussie welcome to Ivy. Or she, he or she, she says, forgive me if I have her name wrong. Ivory is the name, <laughs> as in ebony and ivory, <laughs> so to speak. I could have played that song. Um, I think we'll have to leave it there, just about. Oh, no, we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah, um, two so, minutes. So let's, let's just scale up a little bit and think about social systems, you mm. know, and that can be informal or, or formal. But um, how, do, how does society need to rejig itself, restructure to support the, the grieving process, bring it back into an acceptable part of life that, you know, that we can consider every day if we need to, um, rather than being sort of literally buried, you know? I think if there's a vigil, you know, um, for David Bowie or, you know, a yeah. mass shooting or whatever it may be, go. We had one recently in Mullumbimby I mean, for the planet, didn't we? There, yeah. was, there was a grieving vigil for I the think, was. I think vigils and go. Pick up people. It's kind of like yeah. in America, we're trying to yeah. go and pick up people and take them to voting booths, you know, on yeah. voting day. Yeah. Yeah. Do the same thing with vigils. That's great, actually. I like that. I really like that. To, you know, the idea of gathering community and just sharing that experience. And, and also, you know, we come together for these, like, you know, these the massive yoga, and that's a big part of, you know, group yoga is a big part of, you know, the festivals. Yeah. How about, you know, we come together and we start to grieve? You know, yeah. how about we start to have, you know, um, you know, maybe a big not necessarily a cry but a wail yeah you know like yeah. a you know a big wailing moment you know maybe more musicians you know and more people need to say let's let's do a big old yelp and holler for you know if you, there's someone that you there's a cloud of witnesses that we use sometimes in our memorial services our celebrations of life in my um in my program um where we just ask people to call out a name you know and then you it, it's shocking you just one person one name someone that's died yes and then just it just lights up you know like the little paper lanterns going yeah, up you know, people yeah. just continue to call out names and you know so things like that you know um, you just reminded me that that's been a big part of burning man hasn't it With yes. the, you know at the actual burn people yes. put you know, like images and you know memorabilia from from yes. lost people and and it's all about you know seeing it all go up in flames and, and grieving in the process yeah yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, thanks also for the other texts here. I was going to mention, thanks to David for your text there, um, and I got all of those things not to put over air, but thank you for those things who wrote in. I just wanted to mention also the local uh, Natural Death Care Centre here, based in here. Uh, NaturalDeathCareCentre.org is the website. You probably know of it. It's uh, particularly the executive officer is our good friend Zenith Virago, a huge activist for, for these issues and many other local, uh, well-known local people. But the Natural Death Care Centre, if you haven't heard about it and some of the events that they have, then check that out. .org is the website for that. And also for our own podcast for this show, back uh, then, back away, you can go to futuresense.it website, futuresense.it, which is essentially just a portal to uh, the edited versions of this show. Yeah. And you can check us out on Twitter at uh, futuresense show. 
And also from this website, bayfm.org, on our program page, Future Sense, you can get the whole show, which includes music and everything else that's in there. The edited versions are all that sort of cut out, so you get the content. But great. Thanks so much for Ivory. Ivory Root from uh, Houston, Texas. The, great, the great state of Texas. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Thank, Thank you so much Thank for having me. Great pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, we'll be Steve. back next week. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.